0: Welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast, where we tackle teaching challenges from a biblical perspective. Why are we here? Because we don't believe that our spiritual walk and teaching profession should exist in two separate domains. Rather, the hope we have in Christ should change how we approach everything, not just at home, but at school as well. So join us as we explore both the spiritual and practical sides of key teaching challenges, integrating them together so we can succeed at teaching glorify God, and make a lasting difference in our students' hearts and lives. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Herzog Foundation. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are my own and do not necessarily reflect the views and positions of the Herzog Foundation. Welcome to this new series on answers for your top teaching questions. What we're really excited to do in this series is to, in each episode, take a topic and answer some of either the most common or most interesting questions that we often get on this topic. Uh, So I hope that as you listen, you can pick up some ideas and some tips along this line. And I will say a lot of these questions come from working with teachers in our Teach for the Heart Plus program, um, which includes students that are in Classroom Management 101, Reclaim Your Time 101, Teach Uplifted. And so as we work through questions with them, it's really helpful to get that feedback. And I'm excited to share um, some of those with you. We have regular coaching calls as part of that, and it's a really cool time to be there Together and actually answer questions live and kind of go back and forth and talk about it. Um, But I hope that you guys will enjoy this format where I'm just kind of talking directly to you and answering some of these common questions. So today we're going to be answering questions such as What do I do if consequences aren't allowed in my school? What if there's no support from my admin? Uh, Should students be allowed to interrupt me? And if not, what do I do about it? Uh, What if I have trouble being consistent? Um, And more questions. We'll see how many we have time to get through today. So first question, consequences aren't allowed at my school, only positive motivation. What do I do? Well, without taking the entire episode to go into this, we do believe here at Teach for the Heart that consequences are a valuable part of your classroom management plan. They should not be the whole of your classroom management plan and probably not even the most important part of your classroom management plan, but they definitely do play an important role. And if you can't have any consequences because of your school's policy, what do you do? Well, our biggest recommendation for this is typically to... Just turn it around and put a more positive spin on it, which is typically what schools with PBIS want you to do. So what you're going to do is rather than saying, okay, this is the consequence you're going to get if this happens, instead you can turn it and say, okay, here is a reward that the class, that each individual class member is seeking to earn. And those who meet this criteria will earn the reward. Those that do not meet the criteria aren't going to earn the reward. So it really works the same way. You know, for example, if you're using some type of, of system where, you know, like a warning system, for example, then, you know, if they get three warnings, then they don't get the reward, okay? So it really is just turning it around, putting it a more positive spin on it, Um, but often you can still accomplish the same thing. Because the goal of consequences, if you remember, is not... To you know, we really want to give something students something that they hate. That's not the point, right? The point is just to have something there to help them realize, ooh, I'm 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 not doing what I should, and this is actually important, and I actually do need to, you know, do things the way that they're that I that they're supposed to be done. And so a consequence can do that. Not earning a reward is a natural consequence that can also accomplish the same goal. So think in that direction. And when I say rewards, if you say Linda, I don't have like. I don't, I don't, I don't have money, or I don't want to be having all these, you know, prizes. I, I don't necessarily mean prizes. There are simple rewards. A couple minutes of free time at the end of class can be a reward. Participation in something that the class is doing can be a reward. There's all kinds of free, easy, simple things that you can do. Uh, so if you need ideas, go to teachfortheheart.com/rewards, and you can get a whole bunch of uh, reward ideas that are kind of creative, mostly free or very inexpensive, and that might help just trigger some thoughts in your mind of what. work for your classroom. All right, next question is this, how do I deal with discipline if I have no support from my admin? This comes up a lot. If you're in the situation, you are certainly not alone. Unfortunately, this is becoming more and more common. Um, Here's a few, once again, just so you guys know, I'm trying to answer these questions quickly so we can get through a lot. Each one of these could be its own huge you know, standalone episode, but a few thoughts in this direction. Thought number one, Focus on what you can control in your own classroom. You have to do that for your own sanity. If you are continually frustrated by what you can't control outside of your classroom, it's gonna keep you from being able to to do what you can. And so really focus as much as you can on control what you can do in your own classroom. If you don't have a classroom management plan um, and or if you don't feel confident in your classroom management, uh, we have a free training that show, teaches you how to do a classroom management plan. It makes such a difference. Uh, you can find that at teachfortheheart.com slash free. Teachfortheheart.com slash free. You can grab that free training. Um, but focus on what you can control, um, really work on that. Next, consider if it might be valuable to have a follow-up conversation with your admin. Now, this really is going to depend on the situation, but the reason I'm bringing this up is because sometimes we think that we don't have support, but the support actually is there. It could actually be improved a little bit um, if we have the right conversations. Once again, this totally depends, but just something to ask yourself, something to consider. Sometimes um, it's good to go to an admin and ask for specific help. And just say, hey, this is the situation I'm having. What do you recommend that I do? (laughs) That is a great question because, I mean, that's part of the admin's job is to recommend things to you. And at at best, they might have a good suggestion for you. Or at best, they might realize, okay, uh, maybe I do need to step in and help with this. Um, At worst, at least they're aware of the problem, right? At least that you went to them. At least it's in the, even if they kind of blow it off or don't, don't do anything, at least they know in the back of their mind what's going on. Um, so consider if it would be worth it to ask the admin and just see what they'd say. So once again, there's value in that. Even if you're not really confident you're going to get any great advice back from them, it's more of a great communication. And it's a good way to open that communication in like a non-confrontational way. Here's the situation. What do you think I should do? Um, so that that can be helpful. Um, and then another thought here is there are situations that truly are the admin's responsibility. You know, for example, if there's a student that it's like totally disruptive, it's really like it's, it's beyond your ability as a classroom teacher to deal with or if there's multiple, there are situations where really it is the admin's job to step in and support and to pr- help provide this the solution for that. And so I do once again, you really have to you know, know the dynamic between you and your admin, but I, I think there's wisdom in at least asking yourself, do I need to keep going back to my admin uh, like and and kind of saying, hey, I need help with this. I need help with that. Do you, so I guess I'm just saying, don't neglect to advocate for the help that you need. Um, If you've advocated and advocated and advocated and it's clearly not helping, at some point, you know, you're a voice crying in the wilderness and it might be time to stop. But if you haven't, ad- I guess this is my point. If you haven't yet advocated for the help you need, try it. Right um don't neg- I don't neglect would I would at least consider advocating uh, before just assuming you won't because you might um, you might be selling your admin short. Um, you might you, you don't know what might happen. Okay, so focus on what you can control. consider having follow-up conversations where you ask their advice or advocate for the help you need. Number three, make peace with the limitations that you have. So the reality is you can only control what you can control. <laughs> So you have to focus on doing your best and realize that's all you can do. And I think our teacher heart sometimes just cries out like, oh, it could be so much better. If you know, it's like, it's hard. Um, but that's something where we have to we have to make peace with those limitations. And thankfully, as Christians, it's not just a matter of like, ah, oh, it is what it is. We can trust God with those limitations. We can say, God, this situation, you know it. You know where I am. You understand it. We can mourn with him. We can grieve. Father, I wish it wasn't like this. I wish it were like this. And ask him to intervene. But then we need to leave it with him and say, God, but you... You, you know, I can control what I can, but this is yours. So so making peace and giving it to God. Love that verse in, in Philippians. Um, Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I think sometimes that's a hard to apply to specific situations that worry us. And so just asking myself, can I trust God with this? And then... And then doing it, sometimes easier said than done, um, but worth the effort and worth the prayer that it takes to get there. And that brings me to the last advice here for if you have no support from admin is pray. Pray about if this is where God would have you stay. Um, so I'm not saying, if you don't have a supportive admin, get out. I'm not saying that. But I am saying, pray about it and consider it, consider it. Um, God might be calling you to stay in that difficult situation. And I mean, you might be exactly where he would have you be, um, but he also might have something else for you. And I think that we need to be beware of burning out of teaching because we're in a bad situation. Um, and just be aware of that. <laughs> um, if If God has called you to teaching and this is where he wants you to continue, then we don't want to stay in a situation that too long to the point where we're just done when perhaps moving to another school or another situation would, you know, we'd be able to teach for for years to come without burning out. So once again, something to pray about and God will lead you. All right, next question. Um, This is a question that came from one of our Teach for the Heart Plus members, so I'm going to kind of read it. She said, "Um, should interrupting me or my students have consequences? Most teachers I talked to said no, and they recommend you just ignore the student and only pay attention to students who raise their hand. But if multiple students interrupt at once, then it's recommended to take a minute off the class's reward time. This makes sense, but I'm concerned about whether this will work for students who interrupt me by saying disruptive things. What's my advice? So this is where, once again, having a classroom management plan can really help. You definitely want to have a plan of how you're going to do with deal with it, but there's not one right answer to this, okay? And I can tell this teacher is actually working to make their classroom management plan. They're trying to kind of tri- trying to figure out what to do, and that's the great thing about a classroom management plan is that it, there's not it's not one size fits all. So there's not one right answer to this. The process that we teach in Classroom Management 101 is you make your plan and then you adjust it. <laughs> so you can try. Feel free to try something, see how it works for you, and if you're like, ah, this isn't working, then you then you can adjust it. So What I would say to this is that there are multiple ways to handle this, and you know, what these teachers have recommended um, where you either ignore students who don't raise their hand. I don't know if I'd recommend just ignoring. I think it's better to have like a uh, a catchphrase that you use over and over. Um, we call them canned responses in CM101 um, where you kind of repeat it. I think that's a little bit better We say, I call on students who raise their hand. Um, that kind of helps ingrain it because they might not catch on if you're just ignoring them. Um, but saying that over and over can be a great way to handle it if there's just, you know, students that are blurting out answers. Um, so that is one option, is to kind of just, d- just default to that catchphrase or what they've said, um, you know, taking class time off the classes, free time. Those are solid options. But if you're like, I don't, I don't think that's gonna work for me, I do think that um having consequences is also a solid option as well, depending on your situation. So, what I would probably recommend if you wanted to go more that route is to use our warning system. And um, I'll just give a brief explanation of it. If you're not familiar with it, we've talked about it on the podcast before, and we definitely teach it in Classroom Management 101, but the way the warning system works is that you give a warning in some tangible way. The old school way is putting a name on the board, but... um common ways are using class dojo points. Uh, a lot of teachers like having a yellow card like in soccer that they laminate and just place on a student's desk. I've had elementary teachers that kind of have like three bubbles on the desk laminated that they use a little dry erase marker to pop it, but just some type of tangible way to give a warning. The warning comes with no consequences. It's literally just, and you tell the students this, you're not in trouble at all when you get a warning. It's just a way to say, hey, you're interrupting, Um, you know, kind of so you can see that, realize it, and get it under control. And a consequence doesn't come until you get three, t- whatever that you decide. Typically for us, um, when I did it, it was always three warnings in the same class period, but it can be whatever you think is reasonable. The reason I recommend using a warning system um, if you're for something like this is because you really probably don't want to be giving co- students a consequence if they blurt something out one time in class, right? I mean, that's really something that you want to teach them self-control, but not necessarily, like I said, give a consequence every single time. You're going to be hesitant to do that. The students are going to feel like they can't even, you know, breathe without getting in trouble. So that um, warning system allows you to kind of put some space where you're teaching students the skill of self-regulation and self-control um, where really, though, they're not going to get actually in trouble unless they ignore those warnings repeatedly. So that's another option. And once again, there's no right or wrong way to handle that. It's really about you asking yourself, which of these systems do I feel like I can implement and feel confident in? That's the key question. And then try it. And if it doesn't work for you, then you can try something else. That's the key. We're taking a quick break to share a bit about our partner, the Herzog Foundation. The Herzog Foundation supports Christian schools in a variety of ways, but one way I highly recommend is their leadership trainings. They offer free in-person trainings to school leaders on a variety of important topics like donor development, marketing and enrollment, strategic planning, culture building, and more. Not only are the trainings free, but lodging and meals are also covered by the Herzog Foundation. So that means your school's only cost is airfare to get to the event. My friend Nancy is a school leader at the ki- the school my kids attend, and she participated in one of these events last spring and told me it was absolutely amazing. So if you're at a Christian school, I highly recommend checking these out and recommending them to your school admins. You can find info by going to herzogfoundation.com and clicking the events tag at the top of the page. That's herzogfoundation.com and click the events tab. Now back to our conversation. All right, next question. Consistency has been my biggest hurdle, especially last year. Once again, this is a question from someone from Teach for the Heart Plus. I'm going to read the whole thing. She said, students have been quick to point out my inconsistencies. This is something I'm working on. I know it will happen again, and the plan is to get back to my plan each time it happens. But I'm not sure how to handle this in the moment when students are pointing it out. Um, What to say, how to respond, um, et cetera. Okay, so first of all, I love that this teacher is recognizing the importance of consistency and also recognizing the importance that when we fall off the wagon, as it were, of consistency, we got to get right back on. And that is so key. What, what what gets us in trouble as teachers is not if we miss one one thing. It's if we miss one thing and then say, oh, because I didn't correct George, now I can't correct, you know, Sarah. <laughs> and and then now because I didn't correct Sarah, now I can't correct Isaiah. And it's just it just snowballs. So we have to, if we miss something, we got to just get right back on the next one. Um, But she's saying, what about the students that point this out? What do I do? What do I say? And I will say, first of all, um, we owe our students, in many cases, less explanation than we think. Um, I was in, when I was a younger teacher, I remember, um, there were a few sixth grade students. I taught sixth, seventh, and eighth grade and they felt that it was their job to, you know, to question, you know, why didn't she get in trouble? Why didn't they? And I, for some reason felt like, oh, I should, I should talk to them after class and like explain and like, and this was like becoming a regular thing where they'd stay after class and I'd I'd, like explain to them why I did things the way I did. And at one point I realized this is ridiculous. Like I do not, Oh these little sixth graders an explanation, like they don't need that. So that's the first thing I would just say is you really don't owe your students an explanation on on any of this. Um, You you don't, their students are going to tend to argue. They're going to tend to want to point fingers at everybody else. And you just want to address those things as quickly as possible and move on. So once again, a canned response um, can be really helpful with this. So a couple canned responses that you might consider. One is, you're not in trouble. I love saying that, um, especially if it's like you're using a warning system and they only got a warning saying, you're not in trouble. That can really help de-escalate the situation. But another one is you could have, just think of some phrase that you're like, okay, I can say this all the time. I feel comfortable. It sounds like it's in my phrasing. But something like, I give warnings as consistently as I can, but I'm not perfect. <laughs> something like that. Or you like I said, just think of a phrase that's like quick, easy to say, something that you're like, I can say that over and over, and they'll get to the point where They'll be like, I know what she's going to say. And if you respond with that every single time, they're going to stop arguing with you because they know all they're going to get back is that quick phrase and move on. But if you stop and talk to them and consider it and like make a big thing about it every time, they're going to keep pushing back against it. But bottom line is you're not perfect. You're not going to be perfectly consistent. And that's (laughs) Um, and 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 they need to understand that it's not going to be perfect either. All right, next question. What can I do with the never ending classroom interrupter, excessive oversharing, constantly talking to everybody, child? Okay, once again, this could have its entire own episode. But a few thoughts. First of all, if you do have um, any type of classroom warning system like we've talked about, you can simply use that with with this child. Um, And so that is a great way to help teach them that self-control. They're seeing the warnings coming across their desk. They're not in trouble yet. But if they're ignoring it and continuing to do so, um, then they're going to get the consequences. And if they get it a few times, hopefully that's enough. Now, that's more for your typical oversharer. If you have a student where it's more of like kind of going into the Realm of disability, hyperactivity, like that kind of thing where it's just like who I really don't know if they f- like physically can, can have that amount of self-control, then obviously you're going to want to bring in additional strategies, right? Um, and there's so many different things here. Sometimes students actually was just dealing with a, a student um, in a different and out of school setting, the other day, where we were we were talking, we said, "Man, I think this student really needs something to do with their hands. They need something to fidget with in their hands." We said, we're going to get them some fidget toys to have something to do with their hands. Um, so looking and seeing though, like what is the sit- what is the situation with the child? Are they oversharing because they really just want to talk to me? Can I say, "Oh, you know, let's talk about that at recess," or or you can share with it, or should I have them? If they're older student, can I have them write me a letter? <laughs> Put that in your letter for me. You know, are there things that we can do? So kind of asking yourself, what, why is the student doing this if it's something beyond that, just going beyond like a standard classroom procedure isn't addressing it? Um, that can be really helpful. And also talking with them, depending on the age of the student at an age-appropriate level, like talking with them separately and saying, I love hearing from you, but this is the better way to handle it. And once again, sometimes having them write down questions or write down thoughts is good, and you can go over with them later or, or have them put them to you you know just to hand you their notes or some some alternate way for them to communicate if it's that they're trying to share stuff with you um and 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 and, and such so there's obviously a lot more ideas we could talk about there but there's a few to hopefully get going all right we we've got two more great questions um this one i've kind of already addressed what kind of rewards can i offer students without having to spend Too much money. So once again, I'm going to refer you to the article that I mentioned at teachfortheheart.com slash rewards. If you go to that article, or actually, if you go back to podcast episode 131, you'll get a whole bunch of ideas, but I'm just going to read a few here. Um, Obviously, these aren't all going to work in every situation, but it can get you some some ideas. So here's some ideas for individual students. Uh, A note of praise written to the student or sent home to the parents uh homework pass where you get to skip an assignment or skip the odds so that's like a half homework pass you get to do half the homework Um, obviously pieces of candy dress down pass so if your school has a dress code maybe you can get permission to give them a dress down pass where they can wear casual clothes one day or jeans pass or a hat day pass anything along those lines bonus points students love bonus points um Get to wear slippers in your class. Get to use the teacher's chair. Um, Lunch with the teacher. Uh, Buy them their favorite bag of chips. Um, Have them allowed to sit by a friend for an activity. Buy them a soda or a juice. Um, Play a game with the teacher. Um... Let's see. So there's all kinds of stuff like that. Um, Obviously, some of these are more for elementary. Some of them are more for high school. But if you head up over there, teachfortheheart.com slash rewards, you'll get a whole bunch of ideas. Also, real quick, some ideas for class rewards, free seating day. I always like to use this where everyone gets to sit where they want. Um, Have class outside. Extra recess. A few minutes of free time at the end of class. Play a game. Fun Friday. Um, So all kinds of ideas there as well. But, yeah, I definitely believe that – Rewards shouldn't have to cost you money. Um, or if they do, they sh- that you can use things that are really inexpensive. But there's tons of things that are that are free. And I will say, I got a lot of these ideas from my kids' first grade teacher at their school. He has so many really creative ideas um, of motivating and fun things um, to give students that reach goals. All right, and our last question for today: I'm struggling to work with a group because of disruptions from the rest of the class. How do I handle this? Okay, this is another really common challenge where you're trying to work with a small group and or or with individual students and the rest of the class is unable to work independently. You're continually being interrupted. And for this, I would say the key is Really, really teaching the procedure for independent work. Or if everyone's working in groups, group work. So whatever you want to do during that time when you're working with a group or with individuals, you've got to, before you start actually pulling individuals, you're probably going to have to spend a week or two working with the class on how to work without you. And you need to think through all the things. What do they do if they have a question? What do they do if they get stuck? What do they do if they finish early? Like basically think through like, what are all the scenarios where they need me And then also think through what are the behaviors that I need from them during this time and work really hard. So like I said, I would take a week at least and not pull any students and just work with them on the behavior. Um, And I know you're going to be like, I need to pull the students, but this time you invest is going to be worth it for the rest of the year. Um, Even if you have to like, even if, you know, now it's middle of the year and you're like, I got it. I got to take a break from working with students to get this under control. Um, And so. Or maybe um, depending on your age, like I'm going to work with everybody and then I'm going to pull students just for the second half of the time, like for half the time. Um, But working with them – and you're going to have to be really, really strict – I guess I would just say during this time, like this is a time where it's like, we can't allow any nonsense and ex- express to them why it is so important, students, that I'm able to help, be able to pull you guys away and give you the individual help that you need. And so everyone else has to respect that. And you've got to, you know, this, I'm going to be really, really strict. And that's where a warning system, like I described earlier, could be a really helpful, even if you only use it during this time. Um, but really working with them, really being, like I said, really strict and teaching them how both with the procedures and with the behavior expectations during that time, really working on that, really practicing on it. And that diligence is the only really, probably the only way you're gonna actually be able to pull students out is once you really develop those habits, um, then it'll be a lot easier. So once again, there's a lot more we could probably say about that, but that'll hopefully get you thinking in the right direction. I hope that all of you enjoyed listening to these answers to some of the top questions that we get. If you'd like more help with classroom management, I have a few things to recommend. First of all, we do have our free training called How to Reduce Disruptions Without Yelling, Begging, or Bribing. If you've never taken that training, it is a great first step, um, giving you some of the tips and tools that you need. So you can get that at teachfortheheart.com free, teachfortheheart.com free. And then if you say, Linda, okay, you kept talking about making a classroom management plan. You talked about these teachers who are able to ask questions and get answers, uh, I need help like that, then I would highly recommend you joining us in Classroom Management 101, um, where we walk you through the process of creating a plan, implementing it, and then adjusting it if it's not working. And that does come with six months of Metro support where you can hop into our group coaching calls or ask individual questions to our support inbox and get individual answers. So if you have questions that you'd like answered, that is a great spot to get them answered. And you can uh, find out more about Classroom Management 101 at teachfortheheart.com cm C-M-Y one oh one TeachFortheart.com slash CM for classroom management one oh one. Um, thank you guys so much for being here. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Next week, we're going to be hopping back in to talk about answers to common questions about time management and balance. So I hope that you'll join us for that. Before we go, let's take just a quick moment in prayer. I know this doesn't, we didn't talk a lot about the spiritual aspect, but honestly, we should be inviting God into every aspect. So let's take a moment to pray today. Father, thank you that you're with us. Every day in the classroom, teacher, take a moment and just thank God that he is there with you and that he cares about all the things that you're facing, whether big or small. Next, think of a question that you have about classroom management or a challenge that you're, you're facing and talk to God about it and ask him to guide you and direct you into what that you should do. Finally, think of a student that's been particularly frustrating and take a moment to pray both for that student and for your relationship with them that God would give you patience and love. And we thank you, Father, that you are with us, that you do care, and that you hear these prayers. Please work mightily. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, once again, we want to thank you for being here and we do hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in this series, which will be common questions about time management and balance. And as far as if you'd like to share this series with a friend, um, you can go to teachfortheheart.com slash answers. That's teachfortheheart.com slash answers. And that's also where you can find um, some all the links that we mentioned today will all be available there as well. Once again, this episode is brought to you in partnership with the Herzog Foundation. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, teacher, remember, God is at work in you and through you, and he's using you to make a difference. Keep your eyes on him and teach for the heart.